What a wonderful song to lead into this lesson for the day. You can be seated. Meeting God in unexpected places. Meeting God in unexpected places. You ever been there? Jacob was running from his brother, fleeing for his life. Grew weary, went to sleep, dreamed of what we call Jacob's ladder. Angels ascending and descending and the Lord standing at the top. He woke up from sleep and he said, Surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't have a clue. It was an unexpected place that he met God. Today we're going to be talking about one of those unexpected places called disappointment. The scripture we read from today comes from Luke chapter 7, verse 19. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, speaking of Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And that very hour, he cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits. And to many blind, he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, The poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. I read to you from the New King James. That's why you noticed the reading was a little different than what you saw on the board. John the Baptist was the greatest Man born of woman. How do we know that? Because Jesus said so. And I thought, what a, what a example of humility. That Jesus, of course, the greatest man ever born, would say of another man, the greatest man ever born of woman was John. Of course, Jesus meant that because he was the one that was to pave the way, if you please, for Jesus' ministry. Take a look at John. We find him at the height of his ministry. He has the attention of the entire nation of Israel focused on him. He is preaching and people are coming by the droves. They're coming from all the surrounding areas. They had heard of John. They had heard of his message. 
Matter of fact, when you read in Acts chapter 19 about the Apostle Paul finding disciples of John, do you realize that was 600 miles away from where John's ministry was greatly focused? I'm not sure that John ever left that area, but his influence without the internet, without the newspapers, without television and radio had reached some 600 miles away. John had people coming to his ministry. He had the rich. He had the poor. We know that he had the kings and audience because he offended them. We know he had the Pharisees and the Sadducees in his audience because he offended them. He was a great preacher. He offended a lot of people. <laughs> Matter of fact, one of the people that's considered one of the great preachers of the day said that he would offend nobody in any of his messages. Well, he wasn't like John. <laughs> John preached a message of repentance. Matter of fact, he preached and compelled so many people to be converted that they began to think that he was the Messiah. And he had to tell them, I am not the Christ. I am not the one. But there's one coming after me. He said, I'm not even worthy to step down and untie his sandals. But he is going to baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. He preached, repent. Get ready. The kingdom is coming. And one day he looks up and he sees Jesus coming. And he declares, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. People kept coming to John, but then they began following Jesus in greater capacity. John's crowds began to diminish, and Jesus' crowds increased. And John responded, He must increase. I must decrease. All of these things were going on in John's life. What must it have felt like to be preaching to hundreds and then suddenly you're preaching to 10 and 20 and 30? What must it have been like from your, to go from the most popular man in the land to the second and maybe the third or fourth most popular man? Could there have been some disappointment there? Could it have been that all these things, though he knew they had to happen, the flesh side of him no doubt struggled with this thing called disappointment? You ever experience disappointment in your life? Do you ever have a situation? I have a visual in my mind. It's a video. It's a little short clip. I can tell you where I was standing. It was standing by the gravel road. And my pastor 
had come to borrow a boat paddle from my dad, and he was going fishing. I was four years old, and he didn't take me. He made up for it later. That was Brother Creel. He was my pastor here. And I don't know much about what he did. I don't even remember anything about church. I was probably asleep. That's what I did most in those days when it came to church time I slept. But I remember that day standing by the road crying because he got the paddle and he drove off, gone fishing. I remember he was in an old flatbed Model A truck that I'm sure he'd made a deal on somewhere. (laughs) But I remember crying my heart out. Many years later when I became his assistant, he would call me up and he'd say, Hey, boy, what you doing? Or I would drive up to the house in the church van and I'd have my necktie on. And he said, Where are you going all dressed up? And I soon learned that that meant go home, change clothes, we're going fishing. I think he made up for that. We didn't catch anything, but we fished. Why is it that some disappointments are hard to get past? I got over that one. I'm sure it didn't last, but the memory's there. The heartache's not. I have the visual, but it doesn't. I didn't ever lose any sleep over it. But there are some things that happen in our life that we have a difficult time getting past them. Is it a lack of forgiveness? Is it a weakness of faith? Perhaps it's a failure to see the bigger picture. Thomas Edison said, I have not failed. I have just found 10,000 things that didn't work. Maybe you're disappointed over one thing that didn't work or two things that didn't work. Thomas Edison tried 10,000 times before he got the lights burning. Disappointment. We know that feeling. It's one of the most common human experiences that we have. By definition, it is the feeling of sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. I've looked at a number of quotes that, that, that said that they had the solution for disappointment. Expect nothing and you'll get no disappointments. Just don't dream and you won't be disappointed. Except one day you'll wake up and realize you're disappointed because you didn't dream. And you're disappointed because you didn't expect anything. Because I read in a book where it said you have not because you ask not. I read another place in that same book that said, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or what? Think. Dream. God said, I, I, can, I can outdo your dreams. 
And so I'm, I'm willing to risk disappointment when I am in his economy. Amen? So we, we find ourselves somewhat able to deal with this emotion called disappointment. It happens to all of us. None of us are exempt from it. Don't feel like you are especially blessed by it or especially gifted with it. We all have it. But it's, you know, it's generally not the stories we want to hear from one another about our disappointments. We don't want to relive those moments and, and share them though there are much common ground between you and I in this area of disappointment, it's, it's perhaps one of those loneliest moments of our life. Have you ever cried because of disappointment? I already told you mine. That wasn't the only time. You don't want to hear about the rest of them. You ever had yourself shaken to the core because of disappointment. Somebody suddenly died that it wasn't the right. It just wasn't fair. It wasn't supposed to end at that moment. Wasn't ready for it to happen. There are, there are a lot of things that come and The most challenging of all of those disappointment is when life doesn't look anything like we thought it would at this point in our life. I dare say in this house, at this very moment, many are wrestling with disappointment. So we're here today not to just mull over and Talk about the disappointments. We're here today to find that God is in the midst of that disappointment. He's present at that difficult time and juncture in your life. If it's today, God's here. And he's where your disappointment is. I mentioned Jacob. He and his mother had a grand scheme. They were going to get the birthright. They did. But then when his brother realized that he not only got his birthright, he got his blessing, then he decided he was going to get even. And even for him meant Jacob would be dead. So it was not a wonderful moment in Jacob's life, but it was turned into a wonderful moment because he found God in that disappointment. Mama said, I can help you get this thing. We can pull it off. They did. But then when a death threat came, it wasn't nearly so wonderful. What are some of the reasons that we should look for God 
in disappointments. Why, why should we look for God in those disappointing times? Could it be that God has something bigger, I think, I have there? A little fellow looks a little dejected. He's walking away like the world is on his shoulders. But God says, I have something better. It's like the message we heard here last Sunday night. The manna had to stop in order for Israel to have something better to eat. See, the good had to stop in order for something better to come. The Lord says, I have plans for you. You do have a future. In spite of the fact that you're disappointed in the present, The future is still out there. And God says, I have a plan, I have a future, and I have a hope for you. So while we do know that disappointment is part of the human condition, we find ourselves in the company of some great people in the Scripture. Remember Elijah? Elijah's the prophet that called fire down from heaven. I mean, he called uh, for heaven to dry up, and it didn't rain for three years. And he finally got the nation to where they would pray and seek the face of God, and he called for a sacrifice and an answer that would come. They would build sacrifices. They would build their altar, and they would bring their sacrifice And then the God that answered by fire, that would be God. So he was challenging the false gods. He was challenging the worshipers of the false god. And guess who won? Elijah won. But the very next place we find him is running for his life. Wait a minute, Elijah, you just won. Isn't it amazing sometimes that our greatest disappointments come right on the heels of our greatest victories? We're up here. We just, we're sailing. We're, we're flying. And all of a sudden we crash. And disappointment comes. Elijah, matter of fact, God seeks him out in a cave and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Could it have been, he said, what are you so disappointed about? Why are you in a cave? He said, well, he begins to enumerate to God that he's been faithful. And matter of fact, he said, I'm the only one. (laughs) And amazing, when we're disappointed, we can feel like we're the only one. Yeah, we feel like we're the only one that's ever had this kind of stuff happen in our life. But if you'll read in the scripture, there was prophet after prophet that had preached and preached and preached, and Israel sinned and sinned and sinned. They were disappointed. They were disappointed that what they were saying was not being heeded. Matter of fact, Solomon, remember him? He's the guy that that prayed and God said, okay, I'm going to bless you. 
And so Solomon got married and evidently he's disappointed and he got married again. He was evidently disappointed and he got married again. He was evident, you won't, you got time? He did that 700 times. He must have had a lot of disappointments in his life. Matter of fact, he said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, vexation of the soul. He was the richest man. He was the wisest man. But he dealt with disappointments. But if we'll look, we can find God in our disappointments. I think this next image Sister Claudia has here. Believe that God is working in your life both to use both the good and the bad for a greater purpose. Nothing that happens to you is a waste. You need to hear that again. Nothing that happens to you is a waste. Disappointment turns into hope as you watch God will redeem your current adversity and even your mistakes. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is able. God is able to take the most difficult, the most terrible, the most heartbreaking situations and turn them around in our life. So John, John the Baptist, after preaching, after paving the way for the Messiah to come, after seeing and hearing a voice from heaven, he is in prison. He's in prison because he preached. He's in prison because he told a man, you can't have that woman for your wife. It's a transgression of the word of God. John's thinking, Scripture doesn't tell us exactly what he was thinking, but I can just imagine being human like he was, that his mind's raising questions like, how did I get here? How did I go from where I was in ministry to being in prison? He might have been like you when he says, where's God now? I know he was there when I was in my mother's womb because the scripture said that God filled him with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. But now he's in prison. And self-doubts arise. It might be like some preachers on Monday morning saying, why did I say that last night? I wonder if they'll be back at church. He's thinking about that message that got him in prison. When he looked in the crowd and said, 
you shouldn't have married that woman. That's your brother's wife. That ain't right. If you don't know about preaching, you might be need to know that it's like Brother Wayne McLean was preaching one day and he said, Sound man, I hope you got this recorded because I've never heard this, I've never said this. But he was preaching under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And it was revelatory preaching. And it was his coming. That's why when you wake up on Monday morning, you're saying, was that God or was that me? Brother Carol knows what I'm talking about. That's where John was in self-doubt, questioning. Matter of fact, it got so bad that he, he sent his disciples out and said, I, I want you to go find Jesus. And I want you to, I want you to ask him, is he really the Messiah? can get disappointing sometimes. You can be in the best of relationship with the Lord, but things happen in your life that bring disappointment. And if we're not careful, disappointments bring questions, and questions bring doubt. We doubt ourselves. We doubt uh, doubt our relationship. We doubt our, our standing with God. And so John's sitting around. I know John was the one that said it. He said, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. It abode on him. I, I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said, upon whom you see the Spirit descending. He said, and remaining on him, that's the one. He said, I bear record that this was the Son of God. But yet, when disappointment came in his life and a death sentence loomed in his future, he questioned, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we've been expecting? Or should we look for someone else? And Jesus responds to that question. Go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind see. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended by me. How many of you know that God does some things without asking if it's okay with us? He brings you to a place in your life where it just seems like the math doesn't work. It just doesn't all figure right. And Jesus said, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. But God 
I saw things a lot different, and I prayed things a lot different. I asked you to do it this way. Now it's going way off course from what I thought it would be. And Jesus said, Blessed is he who is not offended by me. That means God's going to be sovereign. He's going to do it his way. We may, we may not feel like it's right, but it's going to be right. Too many times we're like the guest in the studio that's watching the work of the artist. And we want to say, why would you use that color? It just don't look very good. Why did you draw that line there? That... And the artist simply responds, I'm not finished with the picture yet. Trust me. The artist knows exactly what he's got in mind. He sees the picture already finished. And with each new stroke of the brush, sometimes it brings a disappointment in our life. But God has something great in store. John could have heard some words that he didn't hear. Because when, when John's disciples had departed with the message from Jesus, just go tell John what you've seen, what you've heard, what I'm doing, and don't be offended. And after they get out of earshot, Jesus said, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Eternity will only reveal why he saved those words for us and not for John. In the midst of his disappointment, Jesus found John. And John found Jesus. You say, well, Jesus had disappointment. You remember a cross? Remember what he said on that cross? Why hast thou forsaken me? What bad thing did I do in my years of ministry? What one time did I sin or fail and there could be no mark on his life? But Jesus approached the cross. He approached the cross with a hope and a joy. What was the joy that surpassed the pain? What was the joy that surpassed all the struggling and all the difficulty of the cross? I believe he knew all that he would accomplish. He had in mind a visit to hell. And he had in mind taking the keys from Satan. The keys of death, hell, and the grave. He had in mind a resurrection 
And he had in mind the redemption of mankind. That was the joy that outweighed the disappointment that he would face in life. There's a story told of an English captain by the name of John Mears that was in search of a river. He was in search of an inlet into the land that he could make it in to make discoveries of that land. But when his ship grounded out, it grounded out on a piece of land just a few miles from the mouth of that river. And he named that place where he grounded out, that headland, Cape Disappointment. Cape Disappointment. Cape Disappointment is covered by fog about 2,552 hours a year. That's the equivalent of 106 days. It's a sandbar. But another sailor came along later, and he sailed past the sandbar of Cape Disappointment. Just a little ways, he found the inlet of the Columbia River to accomplish the mission that he was sent on to discover the land. You may feel like you have grounded out. You have bottomed out in the ship of your life at the Cape of Disappointment. But if you would just wait for a rising tide and sail a little further, you'll hit the inlet of the river that will take you to the new discoveries. Because you see, disappointments are not meant to destroy us. They are meant to strengthen us. Can you catch the rising tide of God's Spirit as He lifts you in the waters of His presence and gets your boat back sailing? You have, to, you have to allow Him, though. You have to allow Him to let those waters lift you from your disappointment. And once again, give you hope that you can discover His plan, His will for your life. There's nothing the enemy would like more than to keep you on that sandbar at the Cape of Disappointment and never sail again. Many times the scripture refers to the Spirit of God as a river, as water. And so I say, let the river of God's Spirit, the rising tide of His presence, give you buoyancy 
get you out of that place you're stuck in, and let Him give you hope. Let's stand together. I think the song they brought to us just a few minutes ago, if they would just sing a little bit of that right now. And allow the Spirit of God to rise in this place. Let's pray together right now in the name of Jesus. Father, you.